what I will say is whether HR is leading the charge or not, you do have to have somebody who's ultimately going to make the decision, you know, and rip off the Band-Aid when you do have to make these tough decisions. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where for just a few minutes of your day, we provide insights and ideas for keeping safe your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, SVP of Strategic Sales at Alert Media, and I'm joined today by John Muller, who's Director of Talent at Garing Group. John, thanks so much for making time to join me today. I really appreciate it. How are things going over there during this uh, crazy pandemic process we're going through? <laughs> you know, thanks first uh, for having me, Peter. Um, pleasure to be here. Things are going well, you know, as well as can be expected. I think no matter who you talk to, we're all going through through something very similar these days. But, you know, otherwise, everything's good. Work is good. The business is doing well and our employees are happy and safe. That's perfect. Can't get much better than that. Well, I look forward to jumping in and talking about our topic about HR stake and employee safety. But before we begin, can you just give our listeners a little background about who you are, your background in HR, and then just generally what the team is doing over at Daring right now? Sure, sure. So Garing Group, we're an employee benefits and risk management consulting firm. So, you know, these things we talk about with safety are not foreign to us as an organization. Um, but like most businesses that do what we do, sometimes you, you, you do such a great job with your clients, you almost forget about, you know, should you do those same things for your own people? Right. Um, and I've been in this business of HR now for 15, 16 years. My career has taken me all over the place. I've worked for small government entities. I've worked for the State Department. I've been over in Iraq, you know, in a war zone, and I've worked for private businesses. So safety is always something that's somehow been ingrained in what I do in HR. And with coming to Garing Group originally to head up the HR team, it was just one of those things, you know, it kind of fell in my lap. And that's one of the things I enjoy about what I do. I'm not somebody that can do the same thing over and over for long periods of time. So the ability to, to multitask and have different functions fall under me, safety and collaborating on safety here, I should say, is just one of the, the great things about what I do. You know, you're right. It seems like a lot of people focus exclusively on customers and relationships and things like that and oftentimes forget. It's like the cobbler's kids don't have any shoes. Right? Exactly. <laughs> we use that term all the time here. It's so true. Well, I guess to start, just a little bit of background, can you tell us about your workforce in both maybe pre-pandemic and during the pandemic? Sure. What's it like as far as geographically speaking? Are you all in one place, spread out? Yep. So uh, Garing Group, between this and some of our other businesses, we've got 100 employees here in, in South Florida, Palm Beach Gardens. Um, and our culture is such, you know, we've all worked predominantly out of one location throughout the 27, 28 years that we've been in business. Um, of course, we've had some employees strategically located in other parts of Florida and some other states to be closer to accounts. Um, but really, we all work together. The unique thing about what we do is we're always in front of our clients or before this pandemic, we were always in front of our clients. So that did mean even though we all work in the same space, we probably had you know anywhere from 30, 40, even 50% of our staff could be out on the road at any given time, whether wow. it's, you know, going to client meetings, open enrollment meetings. So me, you know, being in HR, and then we do have a gentleman who 
heads up our risk management practice, we, we've never been able to like keep tabs on everybody. Now, during the pandemic, you know, we just sent everybody home. Everybody's been working from home and we don't have people on the road because our clients really aren't asking us to come out physically. Right. They don't want us there right now. Everybody's living in this virtual world. So in some regards, it's almost gotten a little bit easier, you know, to manage where our people are and, you know, reduce our exposure with regard to safety concerns and risk because we know where everybody is right now. They're all at their house and I've got their address here in HR in our system. So I know where they're at. Well, what are some of your highlights on the safety program at Gehring? Like, what do you guys do? And again, talk about pre-pandemic and also during yep. the pandemic. Obviously, things have changed. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, I would say upon my arrival here, it was kind of, I don't want to use the term hodgepodge, but that's kind of what it was. <laughs> it, you know, it wasn't super organized. Luckily, we're a small enough group that, you know, if something's going on, enough people know about it. Um, here being in South Florida, hurricanes are always an issue for us, right? Yeah. So, you know, one of the things we really tackled when I first joined the company was how do we respond to and plan for um, natural disasters, meaning mainly hurricanes or just having power outages and things of that nature. Um, additionally, we do a lot of internal audits with third parties um, and some of those assessments for HIPAA and things that we're, we have to be compliant in usually involve disaster recovery um, or being able to have a plan in place for business continuity. So I, I've partnered with our risk manager, our IT department, and we have a committee that's really focused on, you know, what we do to both ensure our employees' safety and be able to keep the business up and running. So, you know, shifting towards the pandemic, we kind of already had the plan in place. We just never thought we were ever going to use it for this. So it was very simple. It was, we got a, a company meeting together on a Thursday afternoon and we decided come that following Monday. And so that was the Monday before St. Patrick's Day. You know, we're just going to send everybody home. Everybody grab your laptop. You know, thanks IT for putting everybody on laptops and plug in when you get home. And that's how we've been working ever since. Um, we, we plan to eventually get everybody back in the office here at some point. But, you know, we've just been following that plan this whole time. And I'm, I'm thankful that we kind of had it in place. Yeah, it seems like that's I, I had a, um, a another session where we talked with an employment attorney and she was saying that just go back and rely on the typical frameworks you have when it comes to engaging with employees and just pivot a little bit based on what you're hearing from the state and your employees about what to do. It's the same thing. Just exactly. Fall back on your framework. It's there. It's strong. And then just adapt to what you're hearing and on, on the latest pandemic situation. And you, so. you hit the nail on the head, Peter. You know, we have a plan here. We have, you know, a process, a procedure, right? But we, we follow the guidance, really. It's the same as when we have a hurricane. You know, everybody asks me, John, what should we do? Well, I'm going to follow, you know, the National Hurricane Center's advisories. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Right. When the pandemic started, John, what should we do? And for whatever reason, they just think HR has all the answers. And I think that's <laughs> common in any organization. Well, what's the CDC saying? Let's follow that guidance. What are the state and local authorities saying? Let's follow that guidance. And I think you can really just build your plan off of, or you can run your plan off of, you know, people who are experts in that area. You, a business or the people that are involved in your, your safety and risk really don't need to be 
I guess, experts in every type of risk. Just, you know, use some common sense. And, you know, a a big part of what we do here at Garing Group is is we partner very well, right? I like to say that HR has a a big part in safety, but the reality is we wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't work so well with our IT team and with our leadership team and others within our organization, because we couldn't have gone home and just started working from home if IT hadn't had the foresight to buy us all laptops a couple of years ago, yep. if we hadn't moved everything to the cloud several years ago, I mean, our phone system, everything is in Microsoft Teams. I can go home right now. And as long as I have an internet connection, I can do everything I need to do to, you know, do my job and we can run our business. You know, that's interesting. It's, you're indicating that it's safety, employee safety is very much a team effort. Absolutely. But someone's got to lead. So I know you feel strongly about HR being involved in safety. So do you think for most organizations, it's it's important for HR to own safety, but then bringing in the team to help, you know, smooth out the edges? Yeah, I I don't know if in every organization, HR has to own it. Um, I think HR has to play a part in it no matter what, right? Because HR, we, we know the employees usually. We are the ones that have a lot of the data, you know, head counts. Where are they physically located? How do we get in touch with them? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's our HR systems that we utilize, you know, and having other tools. For example, you know, we use Alert Media here, and it's part of my repertoire in terms of HR technology so that I'm able to seamlessly transition and use these different systems. Um, but what I will say is whether HR is leading the charge or not, you do have to have somebody who's ultimately going to make the decision, you know, and rip off the Band-Aid when you do have to make these tough decisions. And our CEO and our COO, a lot of the times will make the ultimate call, but they've also empowered me and others in a leadership role with whatever initiative that we're, we're in charge of. You know, John, if you think it is ultimately paramount for our safety, um, you make the call. Yeah, because we've had, you know, a fire alarm go off and we don't know what it is. You know, it could be somebody trying to get us out of the building. If my CEO or my COO aren't here, I make that call. I have no problem saying, everybody, here's what we're going to do. Here's our egress. Follow this. We're going to meet at our point. And I grab my phone and I send out the alert and say, hey, everybody, fire alarms going off in the building. This is not a planned drill. You know, please proceed as you normally would hit, you know, one to check in just so I know you're all out of the building. Yeah. Well, it's something you said is pretty interesting, which is that clearly someone has to be in charge. Someone has to decide when to rip off a Band-Aid, but that person who rips off the Band-Aid might go to you and say, should I rip off the (laughs) Band-Aid? So very much a team responsibility. Um, I would say, yeah, yeah. Um, Now, another thing you said before was that employees oftentimes start calling HR when yeah. an emergency happens, why is that? Like, why do they not realize they're supposed to go to security or something else? You know, you I, honestly, I honestly don't know, but I have a funny anecdote. And uh, I think I've, I've shared this with you before, Peter. Yeah. I think I'd been here at Garing Group, you know, definitely within my first year. And uh, we had an employee who had a domestic situation. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, and from time to time would think somebody was following her. Um, other employees kind of knew were, in, were on high alert. And I was at lunch one day and luckily I had my phone on me, but a, a manager was texting me, John, there's somebody suspicious around the building. You know, what should I do? Well, first, if you think anybody's in immediate danger, please call 911. 
don't try to get me first. <laughs> um, and still to this day, I mean, nothing that drastic, but our, our uh, folks that sit up front and answer the phones and they're kind of, you know, our first point of contact for anybody that comes into the, the building, they, whatever reason, they will, they'll call me, they'll call uh, a gentleman that works with me who's our risk management consultant. They will think to call us before the police. And I'm not exactly sure why that is, wow. but for some reason, and you know, it's been that way since I've been here. And I think that's kind of how I ended up playing a prominent role in, in safety of our employees. I think it probably falls back to two things. One is naturally people don't want to believe something bad is happening. So they don't want to call the police or the fire department or whatever it is. But then also they fall back on this idea that HR is all things people. So exactly. they forget everything else and they remember, oh yeah, you're the guys that help out when this exactly. happens and that happens. So then it's just this, those two things kind of form this perfect storm and then they reach out to you. So yeah. I think that's, I think that's a hundred percent accurate and you know, I'm, I'm thankful that it works that way here, and I hope it does work that way in other organizations because that, that means that the employees trust HR, right. and I think that's incredibly important because I've been in organizations, and I'm sure many people that are listening to this can um, relate, but sometimes HR is considered an adversarial relationship with our employee population. Sometimes we get the stigma of, you know, we're, we're the heavy hand, we're the ones that dole out punishment. You know, I did work in an organization where if I went to a different office, they'd be like, uh, HR's here. What's, what's going on? <laughs> right. So I'm glad we have that relationship here. And I think that's something that it, it all ties back to culture. We're probably going to talk about this, but safety and making your employees feel safe leads to trust, which leads to you having a great culture in your business. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely cover that. But I think these are reasons why HR should be heavily Absolutely. involved in safety, if not leading it, just because naturally people think that they should own it. And right or wrong, that's the belief. So you got to play to that. I think so. Okay. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about employee safety, specifically during a pandemic. There seem to be like a ton of decisions that have to be made around things like remote work, office conditions and rules if people do come back, business travel, things like that. Sure. So who came to the table at your company to really make those decisions? And what did you do, what did you do about some of those things, like being in the office or travel? Because I know you can't stop all that 100%. No, you, you really can't. Um, we stopped it as much as we could. And it was, it was really weird, you know, even though I think we all knew this pandemic was starting and we were all aware it was going on in other parts of the world. And then you hear about the cases start popping up in the U.S. And for here, here, uh, us here in Florida, you know, we had a couple cases pop up pretty quickly. But yet you're, you're still almost like we don't have to do anything yet, right? Yeah. Um, we started seeing other businesses, you know, the Microsofts and, and big tech companies saying that's it. No more in-person stuff the rest of the year. We're canceling our conferences. Um, we still weren't quite there yet. But I, I don't remember who brought it up, but somebody brought it up in one of our leadership meetings, we talk with our CEO and our COO. And within a day, we just convened an open meeting. We had probably half of our employees show up to a meeting in our, we call it the ice box. It's our break room, cafe, muster room, if you will. And we just had a very open discussion. And it was really the employees made the decision. Hmm. The majority just felt like, I think it's best for, for me personally, for my colleagues and for our company if we just try to work remotely, 
You know, we looked at all the things we'd have to try to do inside the office to make everybody feel safe and take precautions, you know, wipe down surfaces, stop having vendors come in, cancel outside meetings. And really, we just looked at we're like, well, the list is this long. If we want to, you know, 100 things, if we want to keep everybody in the office and try to be normal, or, you know, there's three things we have to do if we just go home. And that's really what we did. We went home, we canceled any outside travel, you know, as much as we could. Um, some of our clients have needed us to come on site during this, and we're just very careful about it. We, um, you know, try to limit where it used to be five of us might used to go out. Now it's one person. Master required. You know, follow all the guidelines. Um, since nobody's working in the office, we really don't have to worry about quarantining. But we do have people coming and going from the office a little bit, and we've got signs everywhere. You know, everybody's been really good about notice notifying us if they're going to travel for a couple of weeks somewhere, and we just we make people you know follow that. Don't come back in the office. Um, we've had individuals that you know have tested positive, and I think we have a very good process and a protocol for that where. You test positive, we contact trace, we make sure nobody was around others. Um, we have you get tested and you, you're not allowed to set foot back on our property until you've had a, at least two negative tests, you know, within a couple of days of each other. Um, so we've been really stringent about this. And because South Florida, a lot of people know, has kind of been ground zero for a while with the cases going up, up and up. Right. We just made the decision to keep it like this. Let's keep working from home. Um, we have a new office space that's under construction right now. So it works really well. That office space will be done in a couple of months. And then we're going to look at, you know, easing people back in. Do we start with 20%, 30% of our employees coming back to the office? We'll make that decision then. And we will largely base it on, you know, the guidance in our area, both from the, the public health department and looking at, you know, how the cases are doing cases seem to be going down. So if it keeps going that way, that's, you know, we'll work it that way. And we've been very nimble when we need to be. Something you said earlier, though, really interested me, which is it wasn't a top down command and control decision. You no. guys actually said, hey, what do you think? You reached out to employees and got feedback. So A, that's really interesting. And then B, are you going to continue to do that as you talk about coming back and absolutely how people feel about travel? Okay. Yeah. Talk about that a little absolutely. bit. Absolutely. So our, our culture is, you know, we have a bunch of corporate values and one of them is always remember we're a family. Mm -hmm. And I, I really see that a lot during this, both from leadership and our own employees. It's not about so much as, well, I don't want to come back. It's, I know, you know, Tommy's at risk. I don't want him to get sick or, I'm afraid that if one person gets sick, 10 of us get sick, and then we can't do what we need to do for our clients who kind of need us right now since we help them with their, their medical insurance and things like that. Um, so we have had, we have town hall meetings where the whole company gets on a Microsoft Teams meeting and we discuss a lot of things. We usually do them every couple of weeks. We've had a couple specifically on, you know, when should we come back to work? What does that look like? You know, how do we want our business to be going forward? Is it a blend of working from home and in the office? And we've stood up another committee from that called the back to work committee. And there's about 20 of us on it. And we've been meeting regularly. And we bring those decisions to leadership. And then we go from there. And it very much is and speaks to, you know, the type of company that we are, that it is very much a collaborative and group effort. And uh, like we talked about earlier, Peter, at some point, somebody makes the ultimate decision 
and we have people that are willing to do that. But we never do that without taking into consideration really everybody's point of view as much as we can. Yeah, and I think you, you just nailed it right there. It's really important. It's a fine balance. You want to get the yeah. input, but at the same time, you can't let people, I don't know, this is a better way to say it, but bully you and doing things that are not good for the business because ultimately you have to stay in business. Otherwise, nobody has a yeah. job. So someone does have to rip that bandit off and say, okay, look, I heard you loud and clear, but if we want to remain a viable business, we need to start doing these things. Sure. There's that. And, and of course, you, you know this as well. And I'm sure anyone that's listening can relate to this. When you get a lot of opinions going in the air, it, you know, it's really easy to just get lost in that. And you keep talking about it and you don't take action. Yeah. So you do need somebody who's actually going to you know, make that action happen. Um, and sometimes you can't come to an agreement. So somebody's got to, you know, be the, the, the deciding factor or break the tie. And that, that kind of takes us into our last topic. But what are some of those benefits that uh, organizations see when they prioritize employee safety? So, you know, it's, it's a benefit to your employees, right? If you have a good culture, your turnover is going to be low. Our turnover is pretty low. We've won best place to work awards. And, you know, again, a lot of it goes to that always remember we're a family kind of motto. That's one of our values here. Um, and, you know, what do you do with your own family? You do everything you can to keep them safe. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have a good culture. And I think that leads to retaining good employees. I think it's a recruiting tool. Um, I think back to when we started this whole thing with the pandemic, uh, we had some employees that we were actively interviewing. And I contacted them all right away. In fact, one of them was flying down here for an interview the next week. And I said, I'm sorry, we're nixing this for now. Mm. We're going 100% remote, but we'll still talk to you remotely. And we'll look at bringing you on, you know, as a remote employee for now. And it's worked, you know, we've hired employees. And I remember that one of them had that feedback, you know, John, obviously, I'm disappointed that I can't come in and meet the team. But I really like that your number one concern is for your current employees. So I think it's a, I think it's a recruiting tool as well as a retention tool. And, you know, any person that's in the insurance business will tell you if you can show that you have programs in place and things like that, you can reduce your, your costs on insurance and things like that. Um, you know, overall, it's just, it's, it's going to help you from a morale standpoint. It's going to help you retain people, but at the end of the day, it's going to affect your bottom line. And I think help your, your business operations. Well, it sounds like productivity too. If people know they're safe, they're going to be more creative. They're going to be more engaged. They're going to want to be more. For sure. You know, it goes back to uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, there's those basic human needs we all need fulfilled. And, you know, if you can check that box where people come into the office or they're working from home and they just, they feel comfortable and they feel like they don't have to worry that something's going to happen to them. Obviously, that's, you know, that's why we have, you know, great health insurance because we don't want our employees to not be healthy. So why wouldn't we take care of their physical and personal safety when they're at work? Because yeah. then they're just going to do better work for us. That's right. Once people feel safe, they're not distracted. And if you're not yeah, distracted, you're not worried. that's right. You can focus on the task at hand much better. Exactly. Uh, okay. Well, let me ask one more question in closing. Sure. We, we'd like to give our audience something they can take with them and really immediately go and make an impact on their organization. So in your mind, what's something the audience can take action on today to help them improve their employee safety program in general, not even just in the pandemic? Sure. I think it's first, make sure you have one. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it, might, it might sound funny to say that, and I'm not being flippant, 
Um, but it, it would not surprise me if a lot of businesses before this all happened really didn't have something in place. Um, and I think, you know, whether you're in HR, if you are a safety or a risk person, you work in technology, you know, go out and seek those other leaders of those other areas that need to be involved. Start a group or a, or a committee and get an action plan in place and start documenting, even if it's just as simple as, you know, what you're going to do if the fire alarm goes off and, and have a basic plan. Start with that. Um, bring it to your leadership's attention and communicate it out. You know, those I gave you probably a handful of steps <laughs> you could take there, but it's really do something, take action. And if you're not seeing other people do it, step up and do it. No one's going to, I don't think anybody's going to, you know, smack you on the hand or say, you know, John, you shouldn't have done that if your intent is to make sure that your, your business and your employees are safe. Yeah, it seems to me like you don't want to try to boil the ocean and make everything perfect because you can't plan for everything. But just starting to go through the motions and get that framework in place is going to help you tremendously when the inevitable happens. I, I say it every day. We are lucky here because we have hurricanes. So it's something if you grew up in South Florida, you've been dealing with it forever. And your businesses usually start to put a plan in place. And that's really what it was. And we were just able to modify that and kind of shift here. Um, and, you know, communicate with, with your team and with your entire organization. Um, communication is probably the number one problem that every company has, no matter how much or how little they do it. Yep. But I think you're, you're better off to err on the side of over-communicating. So at least that way, you know, someone doesn't say, oh, hey, you know, I didn't know about that. Use multiple channels and mediums. We do that here. Um, email and phone, sure. But we use Microsoft Teams. We post a lot of things. Uh, you know, it's almost like a social network for us. Um, we use alert media and some other tools to communicate when it's specific to something. So I think that's important too. If you can specify or differentiate, you know, how you're going to communicate when it's something related to safety or an emergency, mm -hmm. then that way your employees really recognize, oh, darn it, this isn't just another email that I don't need to address. This is something oh, John's sending me this alert on my phone. That means, oh, uh, something's going on. We need to pay attention to this. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I've heard before too, don't only have multiple uh, mediums out there that you're communicating over, but have different people, maybe even yep. saying the same message because depending on the person, they may ignore HR, but they'll listen to security <laughs> or vice versa. <laughs> you're, you're definitely right about that, Peter. I get that all the time. Our communications team does a lot of our fun stuff, right? And then every once in a while, you know, it'll be like, uh, John, this has got to do with our wellness program and we need people to comply. It needs to come from you. So that way they know it's serious because it's coming from HR. <laughs> yep. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, we're at the end of our time here. So fantastic conversation. I really appreciate all your perspective on how HR is important when it comes to employee safety. But if anyone listening to the show has follow-up questions or just wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to, to find you out there? Uh, I'm probably most available on LinkedIn. John Muller, M-U-L-L-E-R. Okay, wonderful. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate you joining us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And to the rest of you out there, just remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. So until next time. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.